today. So are you ready to study the Word of God? Yes or no? All right, get those sermon notes out. It's time to reclaim what the... uh, what the enemy has taken from us. It's time to reclaim what we have lost uh, to the enemy, that, that the Lord is very clear, his word is very clear, that he gives beauty for ashes and actually the oil of joy for mourning, meaning God loves restoration. He's a master at it. And I, I, I've been praying for you this week, everybody, that let, let me say this, because a lot of times when we look at, at people that, that we're not in right relationship with, and maybe that's children, maybe that's parents that you have, or maybe... Uh, just other family members that you're not in right relationship with or they're not in right relationship with the Lord and you so desperately want them to be, that, that those who have broken your heart need you the most. I'm going to say that again, that those who have broken your heart are the same ones who need you the most. And some of you have been brokenhearted over family members, loved ones especially, and... Um, I want you to know that they, they need you. They, they, need, they need you living out the word of God and the will of God in your life. They need you living by the power of the spirit of God. They need that. And that's what we're all about here. I'm going to help you grow today, and I'm going to help you uh, really see restoration in your life. In fact, the Lord is going to help you. Let me say it even better. The Lord is going to help you. So I was going to start this brand new series today anyway called Moving On. And, and, uh, and this was not what I was planning on teaching necessarily today, although I was planning on addressing this to some extent uh, in this, but I, I decided to take the whole message and just talk about restoration. As we talk about moving on from our past today, moving on from, from things that are broken, from things that have some strife there or some, some disappointment, from things that you have regret about. And I, I teach this oftentimes that regret is the evidence of a bad choice. And so some of you, you know, in, in family relationships, for instance, you have some regrets because there's been some bad choices on, on your side, not just on their side, but on your side, you've made some bad choices. And if, you, if you're a parent, or, uh, obviously, you know what regret is all about. Even the best of parents have regrets, everybody. Even, I, I certainly have, I'm certainly not the best of parents, but I definitely have regrets um, concerning I wish I could go back in time and just change a few things. I would parent differently. I would, I would say some things differently. I would coach them differently and, and encourage them a little bit more. And so if you're struggling with things of the, of the past, can, can I tell you that God loves restoration? He loves, uh, he loves re- bringing restoration. And I'm going to speak to you out of 1 Samuel chapter 30 today, something that I really just felt the Lord gave me uh, for today. It's a passage of scripture I've never taught on before. And, and the Lord just brought to light so many things as I was studying this. And I want to give you a kind of a backdrop of what's happening here as we really talk about specifically, specifically about um, uh, as we were finishing the series about um, how to have a great family and uh, in the series, Bless Your Home, that a lot of people are saying, you know what, my family's kind of messed up because we weren't even Christians back when I was raising my kids, or hey, I, I made a lot of mistakes, or I had, a, I had some addictions, I had some things in my life that j- just wasn't right, and how do I deal with all of those things? So I, I want to teach you some things from the Word of God that, that God just brought to light to me, and I, I've been chomping at the bit to share these things with you, but I need to give you some context of what's happening. So David, David, we're talking about King David in the Old Testament, the one who wrote most of the Psalms, David at this point has been anointed as king, but he's not been appointed as king as of yet. He's been anointed, but there's this gap in time when he's anointed as king, that there's this gap in time before he actually becomes 
king. So he's been anointed, but he's not been appointed as of yet. And, and yet he has this, this uh, history in battle where people have already claimed, already yelled out. Remember that, you know, Saul has killed his thousands, but David has killed his tens of thousands. Like he's, he, this guy is a mighty warrior. He is famous, everybody, in, in this culture, in this generation. He's famous for being such a great warrior. So, so we're in between that time. He's not yet king, but he knows uh, King Saul, obviously, and obviously he's moving up in the ranks. Well, there, there is this moment in time that, that he comes uh, disengaged with his relationship with Saul. In fact, he's in this very tumultuous time of his life. He's in this very, um, uh, this, this time in his life is filled with turmoil and sorrow and regret and, and some running away. And he's not, he's not, He's not where he's supposed to be, let me say it like, like that. So the Philistines and the Israelites are about to square off in a battle. And you would think that David, of course, is obviously on the side of the Israelites, going to get ready to take out the Philistines. If you know your Old Testament, if you've read the Bible, you would say, well, obviously David is leading the Israelites. That is not the case. It's not the case. When we come to 1 Samuel chapter 30, and actually even before that, through various circumstances and through a great many circumstances, David actually left King Saul and is actually preparing to fight with the Philistines against the Israelites, the children of God, the very people that he's been called to lead. Let, let me say it this way. Things in his life right now are in a backslidden state that he's not in a right relationship with God. And so he's, they're, they're getting ready to square off, the Philistines are, and he's actually joined with, through various circumstances you can read. I don't have time to go into all of that, but it's right there in the Bible, everybody. You can read it yourself, all right? Go to 1 Samuel, you'll, you'll read all about this, that through these various circumstances, David and his men are actually on the side of the Philistines, and the Philistines are doing this review that they would often do. The commanders would walk in front of their entire army and, and like kind of charge everybody up, get them ready for battle. And they come to the back of the company, and there's David and his men, and the Philistine commanders are saying, hey, what are you doing here? You're not supposed to be here. Like, we know you. How do we know that you're not going to turn your back on us? Well, he has a defender named Asius that, that goes to the commanders and says, hey, we know David, and he's actually been on our side for quite a while. He's actually voicing the fact that David hasn't been in right relationship with God. He's actually been on our side, not on the side of the Israelites, not on the side of the children of God. It's so interesting. And they're, they're not okay with it. They think, no, something's going to go wrong. Something's going to go awry. Like as far as we're concerned, David might actually turn against us and take us out. We don't know if he's fooling us or not, so we just want him to go. So Asius goes to, to David and says, David, you, you need to, to leave. They're telling you to leave. And he says, well, okay, I'm going to go back to Ziklag. I'm going to go back to where my, where my family is and where the families of all of my men are. And that's where we take up right here. Right now, he's thinking and acting like a Philistine, not like a child of God. And of course, let, let me say it this way. That as he's looking and acting like a Philistine and thinking like a Philistine, he actually leaves his family at home defenseless. And that's where we catch up right here. Let me say it this way. Have any of you, because of sin in your life, because of 
frustrations, because of deception. You were just deceived of the enemy. That sometimes you, you weren't living in right relationship with God. Or maybe you didn't even know Jesus back then. And you weren't living in a right relationship with God. And your, your family was left defenseless against the enemy. And you look back and think, boy, I wish I, I knew then what I know now. I would have done things differently. Can I tell you something? Listen up. Today's going to be a word of encouragement for you. First Samuel chapter 30, verse 1. David and his men, of course, they, remember, they, they, they've left the Philistine army. David and his men reached Ziklag on the third day. So they'd been traveling for quite a while. And now the Amalekites had raided the Negev and the, and the Ziklag. And they had attacked Ziklag and burned it. And had taken captive the women and everyone else in it, both young and old. They killed none of them, but carried them off as they went on their way. Let's stop right there. So David left them defenseless. He left the families defenseless and the enemy and the enemy came in and just had a head heyday with them and some of you know that all too well that you left your family defenseless you left your loved ones defenseless you weren't in a right relationship with the lord and the enemy came in and took advantage of it and i'm talking about restoration today that god is a god of restoration so verse 3, when David and his men reached Ziklag, they found it destroyed by fire, and their wives and their sons and their daughters had taken, were taken captive. So David and his men wept aloud until they had no strength left to weep. And David's two wives had also been captured. Let me, let me just stop right there and say this, that he's feeling the pain, that he knows the pain of losing family. And some of you in this room, you know all too well the pain of having a loved one who's not in a right relationship with Christ. Someone that is very dear to you isn't loving the Lord the way that you would want them to love the Lord. And you know the pain. Let's skip to verse 6. Verse 6 says, David was greatly distressed because the men were talking of stoning him each one was bitter in spirit because of his sons and his daughters. But David found strength in the Lord his God. Let's stop right there. So what's happening is now all of the men that are serving with David look at David and say, hey, we wouldn't, we wouldn't have been gone if it weren't for you. So David now knows the blame. I'm sorry, David knows the, the pain and he actually feels the blame. He knows the pain and he feels the blame. And there, again, there's a lot of you in this room that you know the pain and you look back and you're just blaming yourself. Well, it's my fault. It's my fault my kids are away from God. It's my fault that, my, that, that, that this relationship has been broken. It's my fault that I'm living the life that I'm living and they're living the life that they're living. I'm to blame for a lot of it. Maybe not all of it. But a lot of you not only know the pain, but you feel the blame in your life. In fact, the devil just reminds you over and over again how awful of a person you are. And I got a word from the Lord for you today. Let's get into it. So David was greatly distressed, but David found strength in the Lord, his God. And I underline that for you because we're going to come back to it. Then David said to Abiathar the priest... Bring me the ephod. And Abiathar brought it to him. Let's stop right there. 
Because David is about to do something, again, I underlined this for you as well, that he's about to inquire of the Lord, and he does something very unique. Now, he's in distress. Everybody's blaming him. They're saying, David, you're the one who's actually at fault. So David is feeling the blame, but he goes to the Lord for strength. And in going to the Lord, he not only goes to the Lord for strength, but it turns out he's going to go to the Lord for wisdom. And he asks for the ephod. And you say, well, what, what is an ephod? Okay, so an ephod would be a, a, a garment that the high priest would wear in the Old Testament. And it would be like an apron. And, and, and what it would do, and I, I don't mean to gross you out, but back then, how, how many are you glad we don't have to sacrifice animals anymore today? Isn't that great? Well, back then they had to. And they would wear this apron, this ephod, that would actually keep all of the, the, the nastiness, the blood, from getting onto their, their high priest garments. So it was meant as protection against the sacrifices and, and the bloodiness of the sacrifices. And, and this ephod was often called, and in fact, it would be called the, breast, uh, the breastplate of judgment. And in it would be uh, probably a, a pouch of some type, but there were, there were two things attached to the ephod, and the Bible says it's right above the heart area, and it would be the umim and the thumim, umim and thumim. And, and what they were, we don't, we, we don't exactly know. In fact, the Bible just doesn't explain it extremely well, and I've heard, I've heard Lots of, of different teachings on this. We do know a, a few things about the umim and thumit is that they were most likely these stones that were either inscribed on them that would just say, you know, yes or no or, or true or false, something like that. Because a lot of times there would be, in, especially if you read through the Old Testament, you would read the casting of lots. That God would speak to people through the casting of lots. And so they would actually take the, the umim, meaning lights, and thumim, meaning uh, perfection, and, and they, would, they would cast these lots and they would say, okay, I'm inquiring of the Lord. Lord, should I go? And they would cast these lots and, and these stones and, uh, and the Lord would speak through wherever, however those stones landed. Some theologians believe that the stones would actually light up and there would be words inscribed on those stones that would tell the person what to do. Now, we have no evidence of that. That's just, that's just uh, you know, uh, people putting out their ideas. We don't exactly know, to be honest with you. But we do know, we know for sure, that the umim and the thumim were ways in which uh, that, that people would inquire of the Lord, that the priest would inquire of the Lord. So David goes to the priest and he says, I want the ephod. Now, the priest must be saying, why? Why would you want it? Well, David, David is, is saying, I need to inquire of the Lord. I, I don't need just the ephod. I'm not going to sacrifice something. I need what's attached to the ephod. I need the umim and thumim because I'm an inquirer of the Lord. In fact, we read that here in verse 8. And David inquired of the Lord. And this is what he asked the Lord. Shall I pursue this raiding party? Will I overtake them? And God answered, pursue them. You will certainly overtake them and succeed in the rescue. So, verse 9, David and the 600 men with him came to the Besor Valley, where some stayed behind. 200 of them were too exhausted to cross the valley. There were about 600 men. 200 were too exhausted to cross the valley. Even though, let me pause in there, even though their families... We're at risk. 
I'm just too tired. Come on, parents. I'm just too tired to deal with you today. I'm sure I'm the only one who ever had that thought. I'm sure I am. I'm sure none of you ever had that thought. But 200 of them were too exhausted to cross the valley. But David and the other 400 continued the pursuit. And they found an Egyptian. Again, we're going to come back to that. And they found an Egyptian in the field and actually brought him to David. So, so what's happening is because they're in the Negev and, the, and, the, and Ziklag, then, then all of a sudden they came across this person. And you'll find out that it's not just happenstance. That, that God actually, when, when David inquired of the Lord, got a strength from the Lord, followed the Lord's desire, that God actually provided for David uh, some, some wisdom, some advice on what to do next. Okay, so let's read in verse 13. So David asked him, this Egyptian, who do you belong to? Where do you come from? And he said, I'm an Egyptian, the slave of, of an Amalekite. My master abandoned me when I became ill three days ago. We raided the Negev, some territory belonged to Judah and, and, the, and the Negev of Caleb. I was going to skip that, but I'll, I'll mark that for next service. And we burned Ziklag. So he was saying, I was part of the group that came in and raided the, the, the place where your wives and your children were. I was part of that group. And David asked him, can you lead me down to this raiding party? And he answered, swear to me before God that you will not kill me or hand me over to my master. And I will take you down to them. Like, I don't want to go back. And if I do this, I'm going to lose my life. So he said, I'll help you, but I don't want to lose my life over this thing. And David said, of course, we got you covered. And he laid David down, and, and there they were, scattered over the countryside, eating and drinking and reveling because of the great amount of plunder they had taken from the land of the Philistines and from Judah. And watch this, everybody, verse 17. I've underlined this for you. David fought them from dusk until the evening of the next day. And none of them got away except 400 young men who rode off on camels and fled. So we would call that that they were a bunch of chickens that left on camel, everybody. And David recovered everything the Amalekites had taken. He recovered it all, including everybody, his family, his two wives. Nothing was missing, young or old, boy or girl, plunder or anything else they had taken, David brought everything back. Meaning this, that God restored the family of David. And in fact, he restored all of the families of David and his men. This is an amazing story. And actually in this story, I'm, I'm going to show you five things that overlap into, into this area. If you are looking for restoration in your life, if you're looking for restoration in your family, if you feel like the enemy has taken some things from you, that some things were lost in your life to the enemy, I've got five things out of this story that, that, that really need to be applied in your life. And the first one is this. The first one is go to God first. Go to God first. And, and I teach you this all the time, that we seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things will be added unto us as well, right? Well, we actually see that all throughout Scripture, that when people are facing, when men, men and women are facing very difficult times in their life, they just go to God first. 
And the Bible says it this way, that when David had just found out that he lost his family and that actually he was feeling the blame for that, not only in himself, but all of his men were saying, David, it's your fault. It's your fault. And some of you in this room, you're, you're saying, and you felt this, not only the pain, but you felt the blame, like other family members are actually pointing their finger at you and said, well, if you weren't so angry, if you didn't lose your temper all the time, if you weren't an al alcoholic back then, if you weren't given to this or that or the other, then maybe this wouldn't have happened. And you know what blame is all about. And the first thing that, God, that, that David did is he went to God first. The Bible says it this way. David found strength in the Lord, his God. He found strength in the Lord, his God. You need to go to God first. What, what does that look like? I've went to God so many times and just fell on my knees before God and said, God, I just messed up. Have you ever messed up in life? Have you ever messed up in your family? Have you ever messed up at work? Have you ever messed up with dear friends that you have? Have you ever just messed up? Can I tell you, you go to the Lord first. You go to the Lord first. God, I have messed up. I have messed up. And if you don't come in and solve this, it's probably not going to get solved. I don't know how I could ever solve this on my own. God, I need you. I just need you. So you go to God first. Second thing is, you wait for his response. You wait for his response. The Bible says he, he went to the Lord for strength, but then remember he went to the priest for the ephod. He, he, he then inquired of the Lord. So he went to, to the Lord first. He strengthened himself in the Lord. And oftentimes in our world, that's God, I have messed up. I have failed. Would you forgive me? And then, God, what would you have me do? So I don't know what to do. And you inquire of the Lord. And a lot of people, they ask God for forgiveness, but then they try to manipulate the circumstances without waiting for God's response. They try to start solving it on their own. They start thinking through scenarios. Well, if I do this, if I make this phone call, if I have this person make this phone call, do you know how many people have come to me and say, Pastor Justin, if you would only call so-and-so, they would probably listen to you. They're just not going to listen to me. And, and everything within me says, hey, I don't mind do, I don't mind helping out, but can I tell you something? That sounds like manipulation to me. Was that too much for you? Everybody with me so far? Because you, you, I want you to put yourself in my shoes. Uh, okay, God, I cannot, fix my, uh, I cannot fix my family member. I don't know what to do. And before you wait for the Lord's response, hey, Pastor Justin, can you talk to them? Can you set them straight? Well, li listen, before you run to other people, you need to go to God first, and you need to wait for his response. Because he's going to speak to you. He's going to tell you what to do. He's going to give you some insight, not on what others can do to solve your situation, but he's going to give you some insight on what he wants to do in you and through you. Because a lot of times he actually wants to do something in you before he does something in them. And we don't like that part. Well, I'm fine now. I just pray. No, you're not fine. You, you need to go to God first. You need to inquire of the Lord. And then you need to wait for his response. Because there might be something in your life that needs to change. 
My, my wife and I, we, we have examples of this as, as we've been married now almost 24 years that, that there have been times where I've wanted the Lord to change my wife. And this is so hard for me to say, y'all. It's so hard that God actually wanted to change me and vice versa, Right? And, and that works in your life too. When you thought, that God, if God, you just need to change them, and God's thinking, actually, I want to change you because you're more guilty than you think you are. But we don't like hearing that, do we? But we got to go to God first, and we have to wait for the response. Wait for the response. Because he'll want to do something in you, I promise He'll want to do something in you as he begins to work in the others. The people who have suffered because somebody wasn't in right relationship with the Lord. The third thing is, and I'm going to come back to these and and, and give you some practical application here. But the third thing is, don't give up. Don't give up. Remember, as, as as David is up, traveling as he's as he's as he's traveling um as he's on this journey and he suffered loss that that a third of the people that were with him just said you know what i'm just too tired i'm tired of the battle i'm tired of messing with it i just want it to all go away i think i'll just stay right here can i can i tell you something don't give up don't give up well pastor it's been 20 years I'm exhausted. You're 20 years closer to the victory. Don't give up. Oh, it's just not worth the fight. My kids, just, oh, it's just oh, it's so frustrating. They're just not worth the fight today. I'm just not in the mood today. The problem is if you say that one day, it becomes easier to say it the next, and then you'll say it every day. But your children, your grandchildren, they're worth the fight. They're worth the effort. They're they're worth you going forward, moving forward, and not giving up. Your family is worth it. Others are worth it. They're valuable to God and should be valuable to you. So my wife and I, we really try. We've always tried and we continue to try that, hey, we might be tired, but we're going to do the right thing anyway. We're just going to do the right thing anyway. Yesterday, in fact, we had this we had this moment in our in our house with uh, with our youngest, in, in which you know we were kind of like, oh, I don't want to deal with this, but you deal with it anyway. Come on, everybody, you deal with it anyway. Just don't give up. Don't give up. Instead, in fact, number four, write this down: fight the good fight of faith. Isn't that interesting <laughs> that we that the Bible actually talks about this more than once? A good fight of faith. And what's so interesting about this is the word good and the word fight in the same sentence. Have you ever been in a fight that's good? Like, oh, I'm, ha- I'm in a fight. I'm having so much fun. I'm in this fight. There's no pain. Well, of course there's pain because you're in a fight. But the Bible calls it the good fight of faith. The good fight of faith. Like, hey, you know what? I'm going to do what's right whether people are watching or not watching. I'm going to do what's right. I'm not going to give up. And I'm going to fight for my family, and I'm going to fight for my loved ones, and I'm going to fight for my coworkers. I'm going to fight for my friends. I'm going to fight for my friendships. 
I'm going to fight the good fight of faith. Meaning, I'm not going to fight according to this world. I'm going to fight according to the, to the, to the words of God. I'm going to fight according to the promises of God. I'm going to use my faith before I use anything else. Before I use my words, I'm going to use my faith. I'm going to pray. I'm going to make some declarations. I'm going to go to the Lord for this. I'm going to use my faith before I use my words. I'm going to fight the good fight of faith. I'm going to lean into the promises of God before leaning into myself. I'm going to lean into his wisdom before I lean into my own wisdom. I'm going to fight the good fight of faith. And this is the last thing I'm going to do. I'm going to, I'm going to trust God for restoration. I'm going to trust God for restoration. So I'm going to give you an example of this, and, and this, is, this, is, this is something that I've helped, not, not just dozens and dozens, but, but most likely hundreds and hundreds of people walk through restoration in their lives. They, they've walked through, I, I mean, just in, in marriages alone, hundreds, families, hundreds. And it's the same process, according to the word of God, even according to what I'm teaching you today, is what I would tell you in my office. So, so now here we are, we're in my office, I'm sitting in my chair, you're sitting on my love seat, we both have some coffee in our hands, and you say, Pastor, what am I supposed to do? And I'm going to tell you, go to God first, just go to God first. I, I, want, us, I want us to pray, and we're going to ask God for wisdom and we're going to ask God for forgiveness. And then we're going to wait for his response. Well, what should I do? Well, you know what? Let's pray about it this week. And I want you to come back next week after praying about it for a whole week. In fact, people don't often like this, but I often tell them. In fact, I would encourage you this week. I'd like you to take some time to pray and fast. I want you to disconnect from the world and connect with God. I want you to take your lunchtime and instead of devouring your, your turkey sandwich and potato chips at lunch, I want you to go out your car and just skip lunch and just pray and wait for, the, wait for a response from the Lord as to what you should do. And I'm going to join you in prayer. And a lot of times people look at me like, oh, fasting? And I look at them and I see it in their face and say, is your family, is your marriage not worth it? Yeah, yeah, it is. Okay, I want you to, what I'm, and what I'm doing is I'm calling them to the seriousness of going to God instead of manipulating things on their own or having me manipulate their circumstances. I'm teaching them, go to God first and inquire of the Lord and wait for his response because your family, your loved ones, they're worth it. Your marriage is worth it. Your children are worth it. And it's time to take the battle serious. You got to be serious in it. And so many people just take it so casually. Well, restoration is not casual business, everybody. Because the enemy, he's sneaky. And he'll take you and your loved ones out if he gets half a chance. Remember that? That's what he does. And we need to be serious about it. So we go to God first. And then we, we wait for his response, we, we inquire of him, and then we wait. And then when I meet up with him again, I'll say, okay, well, 
Why'd you find out? What did you hear from the Lord? What did he speak to you? And oftentimes they come back. You know what? Pastor, I messed up. Yeah, I know. We all do. So now, when you mess up, you need to own up. You need to own up now. And so, you came in here wanting them to be fixed. But God actually wants to fix you first. And so I teach my children this. I, 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 I mean, my family, I live this out. And I think you need to live it out too. That when it comes to restoration, that we are bold enough after going to the Lord first, inquiring of the Lord, waiting for his response, to go to your children, go to the loved one, go to your spouse, and say, you know what? I've messed up. I allowed things in, in my life. I allowed things in this home. I, I allowed an attitude in me. I allowed anger. I allowed alcohol. I allowed uh, wh whatever it is. And I want you to know that I'm sorry for that. And no matter what happens in the future, I just want you to forgive me. And I'm asking for it today. Would you forgive your dad? Would you forgive your husband? Would you forgive your mom? Would you forgive your wife? Would you forgive me? And can I tell you something? That when you take ownership for what you've done, oftentimes that's the spark in their heart that says, you know what? You're not the only one who messed up. I did too. And I'm sorry too. You say, well, what if they don't say that? What if they do? Because oftentimes they do. Not always. Sometimes they're still angry. And sometimes they'll verbally attack. Sometimes they'll come back and say, well, you know what? It's about time. Because I've been, I've been waiting 20 years to hear that from you. I've been waiting three months to hear that from you. It's about time. Well, I know. I'm sorry I didn't do it sooner. And then can I tell you something? Allow the Lord to work on their heart. He can do a better job at it than you can. So don't try to fix them. Allow the Lord to fix them. So you take responsibility for you. And their response is their responsibility. So that's why we say, so don't give up. Because maybe their response isn't the response that you wanted. Maybe their response is, well, yeah, yeah, you should apologize, but I'm still mad. Well, Pastor, that's not the response I want. No, it's not the response that God wants either. But don't give up. And don't sit there and point the finger back at them and say, well, now, well okay, well, I've done my part. Now let's talk about you. No, you're about, to, you're about to create a mess again if you go down that road. Don't go down that road. Just apologize and leave it be. And then allow God to work in them what you cannot work in them. You don't have the power. You are not the Holy Spirit. And that might surprise some of you because you really try to be. But you can't. You're not the Holy Spirit. So allow the Holy Spirit to work 
and don't give up. Don't give up. Fight the good fight of faith. Keep believing. And just trust God for restoration. Well, pastor, how am I supposed to act around them afterwards? Like nothing ever happened. You treat them as if everything's the same. And I, and I have, you can ask my wife this. I live this out. I have been wounded more than once by the very people that I've, that I've been loving and serving, sometimes for, for year after year after year after year. I know what pain is about. There have been people that I have served faithfully. I'm not talking about just one time. I'm not talking about a month. I'm talking about year after year after year after year, bailing them out, counseling them, giving them financial help. I mean, just over and over and over again. And all of a sudden, one thing happens that they don't like. Well, I'm out of here. Okay. I thought... I thought you knew I loved you. I know the pain, everybody. I know the pain. Well, what, what do you do when you, when you see them around? I act as if nothing happened. I act as if nothing happened, that nothing ever went wrong. Why? Because I've just made a decision in my heart. I'm going to love them anyway. I'm going to care for them anyway. I'm going to treat them not as their sins deserve. Aren't you glad Jesus doesn't treat us as our sins deserve? So why don't we start living like Jesus? Why don't we, we reflect Jesus in the world? And, and I'm telling you, God has just given me this grace ability. It's a, it's a gracious gift from God that, that you might have wounded me and you'll never know that you've wounded me because I'm going to treat you just the same as I always have. I'm going to love you and serve you anyway. And I'm going to trust God for restoration. Do you know how many times people have come back to me and say, Pastor, I messed up. And inside I'm like, yeah, you did. Yeah, you did. And they'll say, Pastor, I messed up. I'm sorry. And I'll just look at them and hug them oftentimes and say, Brother, sister, I love you. I'm so glad you're back. I, I wouldn't trade you for the world. And, and, and restoration takes place. But don't give up. Because sometimes it doesn't happen right away. Sometimes it takes a little while. So don't give up. Fight the good fight of faith. And trust God for restoration. And here's a verse I want you to lean into. And this verse has been used thousands of times over concerning restoration. Here it is, Joel chapter 2, verse 12 and 13. Now, therefore, says the Lord, turn to me with all of your heart, with fasting, there it is, with weeping and with mourning. So rend your heart and not your garments. Meaning, don't, hey, hey, listen, everybody, when you're going through difficult times, don't let it show. There's, don't try to get attention. Don't use it as, as a means for attention from other people. Don't start a, a, a pity party and invite everybody to the ball. Don't do that. No, 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 no. Rend your heart and not your garments. Meaning you don't have to show it to everybody. 
Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful and slow to anger and of great kindness. Isn't that good news? And watch this. He says, and I will restore to you the years that the swarming locust, that the enemy has eaten. I'm going to restore to you what the enemy has taken from you. So I want you to come to me. And I want you to rely upon me. I want you to call out to me. And I will restore to you the years. Not just a day. Not just a conversation. But I will restore to you more than you could ever think or imagine. I'll restore it to you. That's the word of the Lord. For us, God is a God of restoration. He loves it. He loves making all things new. He loves giving beauty for ashes and the oil of joy for mourning. Everybody, those who have broken your heart need you the most. They need you. They need you to follow this example, to do what God would want you to do. It's time, everybody, that we reclaim what was lost to the enemy. Can I get an amen to that? I'm going to ask you to stand up with me this morning. And, and um, I, I just need to know who I'm talking to this morning. And, and I want to as the Lord just brings you to my attention throughout the course of a week, I'm going to pray for you. But there's some people in this room that, that you needed to hear this. You needed hope restored. And today I pray that the Lord would restore your hope. That he can do, he can restore when you can't. You don't have the power in and of yourself to restore what's been broken, what's been lost, but he does. Would you close your eyes just for a moment and let me, let me ask you, who in this room is in need in your family, in your, in your friends, with your children, with your spouse? You're in need of restoration today. Would you hold your hand up really high? Let me see who you are. So many people. Okay, you can put your hands down. I just wanted to see who you were. And I'm going to ask you today to, to do something. What we're going to do is we're going to follow this pattern. We're going to go to the Lord first. We're going to go to the Lord first. So number one, we're, what we talked about, it's happening right now. Now numbers two through five. You're going to do that today and tomorrow and next week and next month and next year. And you're going to go to God. We're all going to do that now. We're going to wait for his response. Not only in this moment, but in this day, in this week, in this month, we're going to wait for his response. And we're going to be obedient, by the way, to what he says. We're not going to give up. We're going to fight the good fight of faith and we're going to trust God for restoration. So especially today, if you're praying for restoration in some area of your life, I want you to open up your hands toward heaven. And I'm going to speak this blessing over you today that the Lord gave me. In fact, this changed this very morning. I just feel this is the leading of the Lord. 
Heavenly Father, I pray for my New Song family today and I speak this blessing over their life, knowing that you are the God of restoration and knowing we are called to live by faith in you and in your word. Today, Father, as a family that is filled with faith, we refuse to accept defeat in this area. We ask for your forgiveness and pray and declare that in your grace and your mercy, you would restore to us the years that the enemy has taken from us. Lord, we call upon you to capture the hearts and the minds of our loved ones, family members, spouses, children, best friends, and anyone else guiding them into a right relationship with you and into a right relationship with us and into a right relationship with others. Father, I declare that you will create opportunities and conversations that would bring healing and restoration. And I speak over my church family today, divine wisdom in their hearts and with their words. Father, it is so easy for us to strive in the flesh instead of, instead of resting in you and letting your Holy Spirit live and work in our circumstances. So restore to us heavenly joy and inner peace that you offer so graciously as we trust in you. So in this day, we commit ourselves to you, your promises, and your word for complete and miraculous restoration. Today, we take hold of it by faith in Jesus' name, thanking you for forgiveness. Amen. 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 That new song? Number one's been done. We went to the Lord first. That's already been accomplished. Now we're going to wait for him. And he may speak to you and tell you, you know what? I want you to go to him. And I want you to take ownership for what you've done. And if he tells you to do that, just do it. And don't expect anything from them because their response is their responsibility. And they might come back to you and say, you know what, it's me too. Would you forgive me? And you're going to say, yes, I will. But they might look at you and say, yeah, you, you messed up. I know I did. This is your response. I know I did. I just want you to know I'm sorry. And I would love to be in a right relationship with you again. I'm just asking for your forgiveness. And then allow God to deal with them in a way that you can't. You don't have the power. But the Spirit of God will deal with them. And so you don't give up. You fight the, the good fight of faith. And you trust God for restoration. Do you receive the word of the Lord today? Yes or no? Amen. This is a good word for us today. 
I love you so very, very much. God is going to do the miraculous. Next week, invite somebody to come with you. One invitation can change your life. I love you guys so much. I'm so proud of you. God bless you. Have a great day. Stick around and talk with one another. Get another cup of coffee. I'll see you out in the lobby.